Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, June 16th, 2022. Coming up this hour. The post-Fed rally fades as U.S. futures slump. Recession fears return following the biggest increase since 1994. And it's the Bank of England's turn to increase interest rates. And Elon Musk is set to address Twitter employees for the first time. The gunman who killed black people in a racist attack in Buffalo faces federal hate crimes charges. Plus, hearings resume today on the January 6th Capitol. Riot. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower in sports. Another win for the Yankees. A loss for the Mets. Colorado won the Stanley Cup final opener. And the U.S. Open Golf begins today. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm John Tucker. I'm Nathan Hager. U.S. futures are slumping this morning. We're coming up to 5.01 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 2.4% for a drop of 90 points. Dow futures down 554. NASDAQ futures leading the declines right now down 335 points for a drop of 2.9%. The 10-year Treasury is down 25, 30 seconds. The yield 3.37%. Yield on the two-year 3.30%. NYMEX crude right now trading at $115.10 a barrel. John. And Nathan, the reversal in futures comes after a rally yesterday following the latest decision from the Fed. Jay Powell engineered the biggest U.S. interest rate increase in 28 years to fight inflation. Markets responded with a rally that halted a five-day 10% rout in the S&P 500. We at the Fed understand the hardship that high inflation is causing. We're strongly committed to bringing inflation back down, and we're moving expeditiously to do so. We have both the tools we need and the resolve that it will take to restore price stability on behalf of American families and businesses. Jay Powell and company raising rates by 75 basis points and lifting the target range for the federal funds rate to one and a half to one and three quarters percent. Former Richmond Fed President Jeffrey Lacker says more is needed. I think it's going to have to go to about five and a half or six percent. That's my own sense. And that's based on just the historical record. Uh, that indicates that real interest rates, inflation-adjusted short-term policy rates, have to get above zero uh, in order to have any chance of restraining inflation. Former Bank of Richmond President Jeffrey Lacker says the Fed should have raised rates last year. Well, the rate hike now has many on Wall Street forecasting a recession for the U.S. economy. We caught up with Guggenheim Chief Investment Officer Scott Minard. There's a chance that we are already in a recession. And so if if we are in a recession or we're close to a recession and the Fed pushes on this more and then we find that that all of a sudden we have a decline in asset prices like stocks did in 87, then uh, if the Fed reverses course, they're going to look like they're weak on inflation. So 
This this is a very, very tough situation that we're maneuvering. Guggenheim Chief Investment Officer Scott Minard says cracks are forming in the credit world and the worst is probably not over. After the Fed, now it's the Bank of England's decision. Uh, their decision comes as the Bank of England gets set to deliver a fifth straight rate hike later this morning. Investors and economists are betting the U.K. Central Bank will deliver a fifth straight hike later this morning, raising the base rate by 25 basis points to a 13-year high of one and a quarter percent. The former Bank of England Governor Mark Carney says he thinks policymakers are falling behind real-world events. I think what's clear is central bankers need to catch up to their economies. Uh, they've, you know, they've been behind the curves. They've acknowledged this, um, and they need to start to get interest rates uh, above. Uh, inflation uh, effectively, or at least perspective inflation, inflation expectations. Mark Carney stepping down from the Central Bank in 2020. He's now a vice chair at Brookfield Asset Management. Well, we have another interest rate decision in Europe to tell you about, John. The Swiss National Bank unexpectedly raised its rates for the first time since 2007. Policymakers opted to join the global bandwagon of monetary tightening, lifting their policy rate by 50 basis points to negative 0.25%. And staying in Europe, natural gas prices is jumping after Russia stepped up an energy war. It's cutting supplies to Europe's top buyers. Let's get more from Bloomberg Energy reporter Stephen Stafneski. This is a big deal, and this is like the worst-case scenario that, that traders were expecting in Europe. <clears throat> Absolutely. It, it is, um, you know, for, for weeks, for months, you know, when this war broke out, the fear was Russia was going to curb supply to customers. And they curbed to some customers. They, they curbed to uh, Poland, uh, to Bulgaria. They curbed to these countries, but they're not major buyers. Germany is a major buyer, and this pipeline, they've the Nord Stream 1, they've cut supply by 60%. Dutch front month gas futures, the European benchmark, rising as much as 12% today after rising by 44% in the previous two sessions. Well, back here in the U.S., John, the White House says President Biden is willing to use emergency measures to ramp up gasoline output. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. This is the same Cold War era law he invoked to increase production of baby formula and bolster solar manufacturing. Biden saying his administration is prepared to use all reasonable government tools to increase refinery capacity. Meanwhile, White House spokesman Karen Jean-Pierre says the oil companies need to step up. We are calling on them to do the right thing, to be patriots here, uh, and not to use the war uh, as an excuse. For higher costs leading to higher profits. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Ed. Incorporated News, big day for Twitter and Elon Musk. Let's get the latest line from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, John. Elon Musk is addressing Twitter employees for the first time today since agreeing to buy the company for $44 billion. At the virtual meeting, Musk will take questions directly from employees, many of who have not been happy with him lately. Meantime, Twitter's CEO recently announced a series of cost-cutting measures, including canceling the company-wide retreat that was scheduled to happen in January 2023 and a hiring freeze. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Hi, Renita. Thank you. And a big name in the cosmetics aisle is filing for bankruptcy. Revlon is applying for Chapter 11. The company owned by billionaire Ron Perlman has been unable to manage its heavy debt load. Revlon got its start selling nail polish in the throes of the Great Depression. Perlman's holding company took control in 1985 in a bitter takeover funded with junk debt raised by Michael Milken. This is Bloomberg. 
Right, thanks, Nathan. 507 on Wall Street. And time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you, sir. The gunman who killed 10 black people in a racist attack at a Buffalo supermarket has been charged with federal hate crimes that could potentially carry a death penalty. The Department of Justice says 18-year-old Peyton Gendron told investigators his goal was to kill as many black people as possible. Attorney General Merrick Garland visited the top supermarket where the shooting happened. Hate-fueled acts of violence terrorize not only the individuals who are all attacked, but entire communities. Hate brings immediate devastation, and it inflicts lasting fear. Attorney General Garland placed flowers at a memorial and met with families. Lawyers for British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell say she should face no more than four to five years in prison at sentencing later this month for her role in financier Jeffrey Epstein's sex abuse of teenage girls. Epstein took his own life in August of 2019 while awaiting a sex trafficking trial in Manhattan. The role of former Vice President Mike Pence will be a major focus of today's congressional hearing on last year's Capitol riot. The January 6th committee will focus on the pressure put on Pence that day and includes efforts to keep Pence from certifying President Biden's election victory. The House January 6th Select Committee released videos showing Republican Georgia Representative Barry Loudermilk leading constituents on a tour around the Capitol complex on January 5th. The committee claimed one of the participants in the tour marched to the Capitol the next day and made detailed threats against members of Congress. New York Democratic Congress member Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The fact that he was inviting and letting people in that he did not know when the Capitol was closed to the public... The fact that he was giving a tour at all is extremely concerning. Representative Ocasio-Cortez spoke to ABC. Congressman Loudermilk has denied any wrongdoing. COVID vaccines for infants and toddlers from Moderna and Pfizer won support from a panel of U.S. regulatory advisors. The committee advising the FDA voted unanimously in favor of Pfizer's three-dose vaccine for youngsters ages six months through four years and gave a strong endorsement to Moderna's two-dose for children six months through five years. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. And it's now 510 on Wall Street Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. And here's John Stashauer. Thanks, John. It's not often you see a TV. 30 games over 500 in mid-June, but the Yankees are 46-16. and 16. At the stadium, an Aaron Judge home run first inning is 25th. That's seven more than anyone else in the majors. Fifth inning, three-run shot for Kyle Higashioka, who had not homered all year until he hit two just this past Sunday, and now he's got a third. Yanks beat Tampa Bay 4-3. to three. Nestor Cortez the win. Another save for Clay Holmes. At City Field, a night to forget for the Mets, who lost in Milwaukee 10-2. to two. And Atlanta won again. The Braves are 14-0 and in June, and they're now just four games behind the Mets. Second night in a row, a near-no-hitter. The Dodgers' Tyler Anderson lost it when Shohei Otani hit a triple with one out in the ninth inning. Overtime to start the Stanley Cup final in Denver, Colorado. Blew a 3-1 lead. We got a goal from Andre Burakovsky, minute 23 into OT for a 4-3 game one victory 
over Tampa Bay. Tonight in Boston, it's game six of the NBA Finals. Either Golden State wins the championship or they go back to the Bay Area for a game seven, which would be Sunday. And what a sports day in Boston because this morning they tee off to start the U.S. Open Golf at the Country Club of Brookline. Of course, that first hosted the Open in 1913 with a victory by Brooklyn native Francis Weemuth. They made a movie about that. Rory McIlroy looking forward to playing in historic course. That is what's so good about golf, is the history and the tradition and these stories. Um, you know, the fact that you know, he grew up just off the 17th hole here. Um, and we're still talking about it to this day over 100 years on. Like, that's so cool. That's the great thing about this sport. McIlroy won last week. He's the betting favorite to win the Open. Has an early tee time today. So does defending champ John Rahm. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, thanks, John. Uh, head of the cash open, Dow futures down 577 points. S&P futures, they're down 90. NASDAQ futures down 337. This is Bloomberg. Just ahead of Bloomberg Daybreak, we'll be joined by Dan Morris, chief market strategist at BNP. He'll guide us through the investing landscape in this new regime. Headlines and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Well, so much for the post-Fed rally. Futures this morning are signaling a rout in stocks today after the Fed signaled a willingness to accept a recession and a rise in unemployment in its resolve to contain elevated inflation. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures now are down 86 points or 2.3%. Dow futures down 546. NASDAQ futures lower by 318 points. That is a drop of 2.7%. The 10-year Treasury is down 28 30 seconds. The yield 3.39%. Yield on the two-year 3.31%. NYMEX crudes down two-tenths percent or 26 cents at $115.08 a barrel. COMEX gold is up nine-tenths percent or $15.40 at 1835 even an ounce. The euro 1.0411 against the dollar. British pound 1.2106 ahead of a Bank of England decision later this morning. The yen is at 132.87. At 830 Wall Street time, we get weekly jobless claims along with reports on housing starts and building permits and the Philadelphia Fed's business outlook. Kroger reports earnings before the opening bell, and we'll get results from Adobe after the close. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Nathan. The January 6th committee is plunging into Donald Trump's efforts to pressure Vice President Mike Pence to reject the 2020 electoral count. At today's hearing, testimony is expected from the Vice President's counsel, Greg Jacob, and a retired federal judge, Michael Luddick, who called the plan... Incorrect at every turn. COVID vaccines for infants and toddlers from Moderna and Pfizer won support from a panel of U.S. regulatory advisors. In baseball, the Red Hot Yankees won again. The Mets lost along with the Nationals, Orioles, and Giants. The Red Sox beat the A's. In game one of the NHL final, the Avalanche beat the Lightning in overtime 4-3. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thank you. 520 on Wall Street. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. 
Traders seem to be giving up their initial optimism over Fed Chair Jerome Powell's comments that supersized rate hikes won't be the norm. Well, let's get you set up for the trading day ahead now. We're joined by Dan Morris, Chief Market Strategist at BNP Paribas Asset Management. Dan, why the uh, change in sentiment from yesterday to um, the futures this morning, firmly in the red? Yeah, well, I guess you can always find a bit of news uh, to focus on, be it positive or negative. And I think at, at this point, at least, seem, people seem to be picking up on the on the recession, even if you're not going to get 100 basis point hikes. Um, we're actually still modestly constructive. So I think the key question is, you know, now that the Fed maybe has caught up to where it, it, it needs to be after having been behind the curve up to now, you know, is that enough? Are they at the right level? Is the trajectory the right one to get inflation down? Or contrarily, do you think it's not enough? They're going to have to go higher. It is going to take a recession to get inflation down. So that that's really the, the judgment. And I guess uh, on the minute, on the hour, the market seems to, to change which view it has. Okay, with a recession, the first question we have to ask, how deep and how long? Well, if you look at the components, you know, basically what's driving core inflation? Uh, and the assessment has got to be, you know, how much of those really could, should turn out to be temporary? I mean, the, the goods inflation should turn out to be temporary, but we know there's some of these more persistent factors, and particularly what, and also what seemed to have spooked the Fed last week was the increase in shelter. Uh, so how much, you know, how big of a recession do you need to, do you, uh, to get the shelter prices to fall? And that component, the rent component of core PCE, uh, to fall, and you know, I think that's going to be the the key assessment. But you know, just to be clear, we're not expecting a recession. Okay. Uh, now, how does this uh, change the investment landscape with a more aggressive uh, tightening policy from the Fed? You say avoiding a recession at this point. Well, if, if again, if you think that this is enough, uh, and really what we've seen so far, really over the course of the year with, with this reset, you know, in policy rates and particularly the increase in real rates, you know, that's had primarily an impact on valuations and on, on growth stock valuations, which have you know, fallen dramatically. But now they're at, at reasonable levels. So if you think real rates aren't going to go up any further, that the Fed's not going to hike anymore, you're at, at actually pretty good valuations. The earnings outlook you know, from that point of view is, is, is still fine. So I think you can have a modestly constructive view on equities, which which we do. It's only in the contrary scenario that either you think you need more rate hikes and which valuations would be at risk again, and then it would get arguably even worse because at that point your earnings estimates would start to fall, whereas so far they've actually continued to rise despite everything that's happened so far this year. So what sectors are you looking to right now? We don't have any specific sector allocations. They're more geographic, so we're overweight uh, in Japan and, and China, and that's based on one, uh, in absolute terms, attractive valuations. You know, if, if the U.S. and Europe are about average, you can argue that Japan, uh, EM, China are below average, so, you know, that's a clear advantage. And also just the difference in monetary policy outlook. You know, Fed clearly hiking, the ECBs, you know, ramping up, whereas in Japan and China, they've, they've got a, a bit more room. They can be more patient, uh, and so that's going to be more supportive for equity markets. Uh, do you have a view for the dollar? Is it a higher dollar for the foreseeable future, given those rate differentials? It really shouldn't from here. I mean, clearly the dollar over the course of you know the last year uh, has continually had to price in these rising expectations. But that's actually a historical pattern. As you go into your first hike, you know, the dollar tends to strengthen. Once the cycle actually starts, it tends to weaken. And I think there's kind of two reasons that hasn't exactly happened this time. One, we 
kept or keep having to reset our expectations higher. But once we're at that final point, uh, that should be over. And then also we've had, you know, a bit of risk off just because of the geopolitics and, you know, dollar tends to strengthen in those environments. So on the assumption the geopolitics uh, at least doesn't get worse. Uh, and also on the assumption we don't have yet more increases in expectations for Fed funds, you know, historically the dollar does weaken. Uh, let's switch to volatility with the VIX, the Wall Street fear gauge this morning at 31.85. How much more elevated do you think it uh, it will be? Well, I think it really reflects kind of the surprise that we've had over the last week with with this last Fed meeting. I mean, historically, the you know the, I think the intent from the central banks is to communicate well ahead of time, so you don't surprise the markets with with uh, a move that they hadn't anticipated, and that clearly wasn't the case this time. And so that surprise feeds through into to your volatility and indicators pretty much across the board. Uh, if at this point, hopefully, no more surprises. Uh, volatility really should come back down. Dan Morris, Chief Market Strategist at BNP Paribas Asset Management. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Ahead of the open on Wall Street Dow futures, 566 points lower. S&P futures down 88. The Nasdaq futures right now, 321 points lower. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. And the Bloomberg weather from Rob Carolyn. Partly mostly cloudy today. Chance of a shower or a thunderstorm. The high temperature today, 75 to 80. Cloudy tonight, lows around 70. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. I'm Nathan Hager. We're about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. The post-Fed rate hike rally appears over. U.S. futures are sliding following yesterday's gains, which halted a five-day 10% route in the S&P. Jay Powell and the Fed lifted rates 75 basis points, so the biggest increase since 1994. Former Richmond Fed President Jeffrey Lacker says policymakers now face the real reality of a recession. They dropped a critical sentence indicating they're not certain they can do this soft landing. That that's an indication that they think they they're running the risk of a recession. Former Richmond Fed President Jeffrey Lanker says rates need to go up to six percent to have any chance of restraining inflation. And Guggenheim Chief Investment Officer Scott Minard says the market is obsessed with inflation. Every time we get another bad piece of news on inflation, which is higher than expectation, then we're we're forcing the Fed to ratchet up uh, their pace or the degree of tightening that they're doing. Guggenheim Chief Investment Officer Scott Miner says there are cracks appearing in the credit world, and the worst is probably not over. The Swiss National Bank unexpectedly raised interest rates, John, for the first time since 2007. Policymakers opted to join the global bandwagon of monetary tightening, lifting the rate by 50 basis points, the policy rate, to zero or negative 0.25%. And we'll hear from the Bank of England in about 90 minutes from now. Economists forecasting the BOE will deliver a fifth straight rate hike. 
In corporate news, it's a big day for Twitter and Elon Musk. Let's get more live from Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Elon Musk is addressing Twitter employees for the first time today since agreeing to buy the company for $44 billion. At the virtual meeting, Musk will take questions directly from employees, many of who have not been happy with him lately. Meantime, Twitter CEO recently announced a series of cost-cutting measures, including canceling the company-wide retreat that was scheduled to happen in January 2023 and a hiring freeze. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thanks, Renita. The cosmetics giant Revlon has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. The company owned by billionaire Ron Perlman has been unable to manage its heavy debt load. S&P futures now down 89 points. Dow futures down 575. NASDAQ futures are lower by 326 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 1 and 6.30 seconds. The yield 3.43%. Yield on the 2-year 3.35. Local headlines and a check of sports up next. This is Bloomberg. Thanks, Nathan. 5.33 on Wall Street. And it's time to bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. Federal hate crime charges were officially filed in last month's shooting at the Buffalo supermarket. Yesterday, Attorney General Merrick Garland placed flowers at the scene of the Buffalo grocery store massacre. Garland declared it an unmitigated intentional act of hate-based murder. No one in this country should have to live in fear that they will go to work or shop at a grocery store and will be attacked by someone who hates them because of the color of their skin. A.G. Merrick Garland, as prosecutors say, 18-year-old Peyton Gendron's goal was to kill as many blacks as possible. Ten black people were killed and three others were wounded. The House Committee investigating the 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol will resume hearings today. They will hear from former Vice President Mike Pence's top lawyer as it focuses on Donald Trump's pressure on Pence to block certifying Joe Biden's presidential election. The panel will also show testimony by Pence's chief of staff. Two U.S. military veterans have been captured in Ukraine. The two men were serving as volunteers with the Ukrainian Army Unit. The men, Alexander Druki and Andy Heinen, were reportedly captured by Russian forces near Kharkiv. Druki's mother, Lois Druki, said her son felt compelled to go to Ukraine to assist in the war against Russia. He felt very strongly that he needed to help fight for democracy wherever it was in the world. Other Westerners have been taken prisoner during the war, including two from the U.K. who were sentenced to death by Russian-backed separatists. COVID vaccines for infants and toddlers from Moderna and Pfizer won support from a panel of U.S. regulatory advisors. Meanwhile, Anthony Fauci, the chief medical advisor to President Joe Biden, tested positive for COVID. Fauci, who is fully vaccinated and boosted twice, is said to be experiencing mild symptoms. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thanks. And it's now 535 on Wall Street. That's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. All right, John. Yankees having this amazing season, even with some players struggling like Kyle Higashioka, who as of just this past Sunday was batting under 150 without a home run. And then three home runs in a span of six at-bats. Had the big blow fifth inning at the stadium after Tampa Bay walked Isaiah Kiner-Falefa intentionally to face Higgy. 3-1 homer, put the Yanks up 4-0. They held on, beat the Rays 4-3. Aaron Judge with his 25th homer in the Yanks. 
have won six in a row, 13 of 14. They're 30 games over 500. Mets lost to Milwaukee 10 to 2, while Atlanta won its 14th in a row, moved within four games of the Mets. Tuesday, the Cardinals, Miles Nicholas was one out from a no-hitter. Last night, the Dodgers, Tyler Anderson, two outs away, lost a no-hitter when Shohei Otani hit a triple. Stanley Cup final, Tampa Bay going for the three-peat. Colorado's first cup final in 21 years in Denver. Game one went to overtime. Up by JT Copper down the middle. Copper holds, shoots, it's blocked. The choose can win the Burkowski. He scores! Andre with a giant goal! And you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here because this party is over. KKSE in Denver. Avs won 4 3. They're 13 2 in the playoffs. Golden State Warriors can win the NBA championship tonight. Game six of the finals in Boston, where this morning the U.S. Open begins. Country Club of Brookline. Defending champ John Rahm has an early tee time. So does Rory McElroy and Jordan Street. John Stashow with Bloomberg Sports. John? John, thank you. 537 on Wall Street. And yeah, that's time for the Bloomberg Tri State Business Report. For that, we're joined by Ed Corey. New Jersey will expand its planned property tax relief program, providing more than $2 billion to more than 2 million households. Residents with income of up to $250,000 will be eligible. Homeowners will get as much as 1500 bucks. Renters will get as much as 450 Golden Tree Asset Management has been ordered to pay a $1.2 million bonus to a former chief operating officer. He was fired for lying about an affair with a subordinate, making lewd comments, and exposing himself. A Manhattan Supreme Court judge has sided with an arbitrator who said Christian's work for the company entitled him to the bonus. Well, a gauge of New York State manufacturing activity shrank for a second month in a row in June. A measure of inflationary pressure at producers picked up. The Federal Reserve Bank of New York's General Business Conditions Index improved to minus 1.2 from minus 11.6. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. And let's check in now with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potus on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about Twitter canceling a company-wide trip to Disneyland as it looks to save money. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on WHAS in Louisville. Ford's profit on its electric cars is being wiped out by rising commodity costs. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for KCBS in San Francisco, I'm reporting that Block, the payments company formerly known as Square, plans to give up its San Francisco headquarters. I'm Lisa Mateo, and on WBZ in Boston, I'll be reporting on why the next Tesla could cost you even more. I'm Ed Corey on WTAM in Cleveland. I'm reporting several mid-sized events boosted Cleveland's sports tourism industry this spring. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It is 539 at Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. The effort to revive the Iranian nuclear deal of 2015 may be on life support, after Tehran recently removed nearly half of the cameras monitoring its nuclear facilities. The head of the International Atomic Energy Agency said that decision could prove a fatal blow to the pact. 
While diplomacy shouldn't be abandoned, the U.S. should be using this time to show Iran what the alternative to a deal would look like. Without setting any red lines publicly, President Biden should make it clear to the Iranians that any attempt to enrich uranium to weapons grade or to kick out inspectors could trigger military action. Showing that it's prepared to defend its interests in the absence of a deal may be the best way for the U.S. to convince Iran to sign one. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time. Terminal customers, you can read more at OPN Go. Ahead of the open on Wall Street after yesterday's rally, down futures right now, 585 points lower. The S&P futures down 90 points, and the Nasdaq futures, they're down 329 points. Ten-year yield in the U.S., 3.43%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Just ahead, how far into restrictive territory does the Fed go? We'll be joined by Sarah House, senior economist at Wells Fargo. This is Daybreak. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Stocks rallied after the Fed's decision yesterday, but this morning futures are pointing to a rout with the Fed signaling willingness to accept a recession to rein in inflation. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 89 points. Dow futures down 580. NASDAQ futures are lower by 325 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 1 in 6.30 seconds. The yield 3.43%. Yield on the two-year is at 3.36%. NYMEX crude is down 4 tenths percent or 45 cents at $114.85 a barrel. COMEX gold up 7 tenths percent or $13 at $18.32.10 an ounce. The euro is at 1.0416 against the dollar. British pound 1.2132. And the yen is at 132.85. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Nathan, thank you very much. The House Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 riot is holding its third public hearing today. The panel is expected to focus on former Vice President Pence, who faced threats by Trump supporters. Less than two weeks after restarting production, Abbott's troubled infant formula plant in Sturgis, Michigan, is now being forced to shut it all back down again. The company says torrential storms caused power outages and flooded parts of their facility. In baseball, the Yankees won. The Mets lost, along with the Nationals, Orioles, and Giants. The Red Sox beat the A's. Game one in the NHL final. The Avalanche beat the Lightning in overtime 4-3. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it is 549 on Wall Street. Well, the Fed Chair, Jerome Powell, now has engineered the central bank's biggest interest rate increase since since 1994. And let's take a deeper dive into the Fed move now with Sarah House, senior economist at Wells Fargo. Sarah, thanks for being with us this morning. What are your major takeaways from the meeting that we had yesterday? 
So I think what we saw at the meeting was a more realistic take on what it would take to bring down inflation, where we're going to have to bring policy well into restrictive territory, and at least some recognition that it's going to bring some pain along the way. So if you look at the summary of economic projections, you had the unemployment rate beginning to to pick up, and in the statement, the Fed removed the line about they expect the labor market to, to remain strong. So I think we saw the Fed overall get more serious about the inflation problem ahead and, and recognize that we're not going to have a painless escape. How restrictive? So the Fed moved their median estimate to where rates will be at the end of this year up to a range of three and a quarter, three and a half percent. We think that they'll go even higher. So we're estimating that the upper bound of the Fed funds rate will reach four percent by the end of the year and it'll climb to four and a half percent by the first quarter of, of next year. So the Fed's looking for rates by the end of 2023 to be a little under four percent. So not quite as aggressive on us, but I think certainly signaling that it is going to take that restrictive policy stamp to bring down inflation. Does the economy really have to go through the ringer to break the back of inflation, and is unemployment uh, inevitably going to have to go higher? I think given how much of this inflation is driven by demand, so yes, you do have some supply chain issues, particularly in things like the auto sectors, but overwhelmingly this stems from just the robust recovery that we've seen and the inability of supply to keep up. I think you do have to to put policy in restrictive territory, try to slow it below trend trend growth. So I think it is a, a necessary step, and unfortunately, you can't slow demand in a meaningful way, I think, without seeing that translate into softer softer demand for workers which is likely to lead to higher unemployment. Yeah, there have been some inevitable comparisons to the era of uh, Fed Chair Paul Volcker. Uh, Are are they valid? Are we really going back to those types of rates? So I think there's a lot different in today's environment. So one is that I think the Fed has learned the lessons of, of the Volcker era and seen similar inflation. I think that they are more eager to to quash it than what we were seeing in the late 1970s, which allowed inflation to get so entrenched. One of the big catalysts for the shift from what was a very well-telegraphed 50 basis point move coming into this meeting to a last-minute signal for 75 basis points was the fact that we saw long-term inflation expectations shoot to a 14-year high in Friday's University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey. So that, along with inflation, caused the Fed to react and shift very quickly. And so I think that even though they they are behind the curve and they've allowed inflation to get to a 40-year high, I think they are are rapidly making up for that. And so that should limit how far rates ultimately have to to go. So how do you suppose this is going to impact, in the long term at least, the, the appetite for risk? Well, I think that overall we're we're going to see some uh, some some risk shift, and and we're going to see it cool as as it does become more apparent that the Fed is going to to have to to have to raise rates. So we've already seen that to some extent, but there there very well could be more to come. Okay, uh, I also wanted to ask you real quickly, if you could, are cracks appearing in the Treasury market? There have been some liquidity concerns as well. 
So I'm, I'm not sure about whether there are, are cracks during there. Of course, we had the, the start of QT this month, and so we are beginning to see, to see that transition. I think overall, you know, we are seeing a rapid shift in policy. So the Fed's looking at the most aggressive path for, for policy tightening that they have seen since the early 1980s, and I think that's going to come with some pain and some bumps uh, along, along the way. Yes, Sarah, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Sarah House, Senior Economist at Wells Fargo. Nathan. All right, John, thank you. It's 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for our Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Amazon, Uber, and Meta Platforms are among several technology companies calling on Congress to pass permanent protections for so-called dreamers, undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. as children. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration is developing an enforcement program directed at preventing falls in all industries. And Crocs is suing a Japan-based dollar store chain for trademark infringement. Crocs accuses the store of selling knockoffs of its popular rubber clogs. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. Now, another legal story we're watching. The January 6th committee holds its third public hearing this afternoon, laying out the case for holding former President Donald Trump and others responsible for instigating the violence at the Capitol. There's reportedly a rift among committee members about whether to make a criminal referral of Trump to the Justice Department. But a referral isn't actually needed for DOJ to bring charges, and the members are clearly united in presenting their strongest case against the former president. For more, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to Jordan Strauss, a fellow at the Kroll Institute. Regardless of whether the committee makes a criminal referral to the Justice Department or not, is it pretty obvious that what the committee is doing is trying to lay out a roadmap for DOJ to prosecute Trump? The committee is absolutely trying to lay out a roadmap to prosecute the president and others in the president's orbit. I think it's hard to say until they've closed their case and until they've finished presenting information who could be charged with what. And I think it's also very important to remember that the standard of proof in a criminal case is beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, when I was at the Justice Department, I can say that the level of certainty, not just of guilt, but also that guilt could be proven to a jury beyond a reasonable doubt for a prosecutor before they move forward, needed to be 100% in the minds of the prosecutor, even though that's not the legal standard, right? It needed to be that high before they move forward. So there's a lot of nuance here. And I think that the department thus far has taken a very careful approach to charging and charging decisions. And I think that's going to continue. And I think that unless there is really, really incredibly, incredibly strong evidence. I think it's unlikely the department would elect to move forward with charges that are that novel against someone that senior. So then do you think that the Justice Department is looking for more than they would normally look for in a case, more than just, you know, being convinced that someone's guilty and that you can prove it because they know what's at stake? So when there are high-profile or high-consequence criminal defendants, they always receive more attention. So be it a high-profile counterterrorism case or a high-profile securities fraud case, it's always going to receive extra layers. One of the reasons that it receives extra layers is when you're doing something high-consequence, you want to make sure that senior leadership knows. You know, you might want to stress test the theory of the case a little bit more than usual. One of the reasons might be that you're 
making a novel application of the law, or you're using a law like seditious conspiracy that's just not used very often. So, you know, you combine that with the complexity of the fact-finding, yes, I, I do think that they're probably receiving additional attention. That said, Judge Garland has said that the approach of the department is going to be to work its way up and to bring more complex and more meaningful cases as the more complex and more meaningful facts emerge. And they, they've done just that so far. That's Jordan Krause of the Kroll Institute speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. You can catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by listening to the Bloomberg Law Show. There's a 10 p.m. Eastern time on Bloomberg Radio. Or you can listen anytime by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. S&P futures now down 83 points. Dow futures down 537. NASDAQ futures are lower by 309 points. The 10-year Treasury is now down 1 and 9, 30 seconds. The yield 3.44% yield on the two-year. 3.36%. Bloomberg Daybreak continues. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.